Der Fußball ist zurück in der zweiten Liga. Und läuft dann in Keeper Freisel rein. Ayrdale vollendet. 4 zu 0. Beste. Ball kommt in die Mitte. Und zu Kleindienst. Kleindienst. Güter. Linke Seite ist blank. Vielleicht. Ja, vielleicht. Vielleicht zieht er ihn in Salazar. Tor. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Svarta Bundesliga podcast. On today's episode, we'll be discussing all of the action from an entertaining and enthralling match day four. I'm your host, Matthew Karagic, and it is a pleasure to have your company from wherever you are listening to around the world. The theme of today really is seeing red. There were a ton of red cards or double yellows throughout the match day. Some were very naughty. Others were, well, a bit clumsy. What we did see, though, some really interesting football. And to help me discuss everything from the weekend, we've got someone who, of high ilk, formerly a co-host of the Talking Fußball podcast, but most notably known for his work in the scouting and recruitment area and being a regular on Hungarian football TV, it's Abel Meseros. Abel, it's a pleasure to have you. How are you? Uh, yeah, good, good. Thank you for uh, having me on. And I, I also saw a little bit of read uh, this weekend, particularly in the Twitter Bundesliga, as I was fortunate to attend the uh, well, match of Kaiserslautern and the Red Devils, and then obviously uh, the Rothosen derby in Hanover as well, and then, uh, yeah, uh, so yeah, hopefully uh, not a, I won't get a red card at the end of the, this podcast, but uh, yeah, happy to um, be invited on. Uh, it's, it is my pleasure to have you on, and don't worry, uh, the, the cards are very much hidden away in some sort of draw, uh, so you're in no threat of getting a red card. Some others might get a red card, but not you. Let's talk about one of the big games of the match day, uh, Schalke and Holstein Kiel. A massive game for both sides, Schalke wanting to get back to winning ways after their defeat against Eintracht Braunschweig. Kiel much in the same after their 4-2 defeat to Magdeburg, and... Things got out of hand pretty quickly for, for Schalke. They went down uh, in the opening 15 minutes through Benedikt Pickler. And there was a real theme here of, of uh, some pretty sketchy defending from, from Schalke. And 39 minutes into the game, Ron Schallenberg is given a straight red card, which, you know, almost a panic sort of challenge. He was clearly beaten. It was going to be another one-on-one, which seemed to be another theme of the game. Uh, and it just kind of... Continues to snowball. So Schalke went down to 10 men. Kiel really just had control of the game. And on 59 minutes, they get the second goal. Tom Rorta, who was playing as a sort of a left wing back, sort of left midfielder, who was given so much space throughout this game. He puts in a wicked cross to find Shuto Machino at the back post. And his ball uh, rattles the crossbar and in. And that was your final score in the end. Two goals to nil. Schalke now have lost three of their opening four games of the season. Kiel getting a good win against a, a side that you know really has not been able to figure it out. And Abel, let's talk about Schalke defensively because there were holes. We've said we've all eaten Swiss cheese before, and there's there can be quite a lot of holes in it. But how Kiel were able to open them up even before the red card should be setting alarm bells for for Thomas Rice and the Schalke consortium. Yeah, I would say like um, you know they always say about the phases of the game being connected. And I would say like the, like the sort of offensive part of um, Thomas Rice's ideas of playing kind of like a, a four, three, three 
um, with lots of movement, but like not so much synergy. Um, and essentially just like Rodrigo uh, being able to get past others. And again, like you, against Kiel, you kind of have to do it because they play this heavy man marking, which, you know, many uh, second Bundesliga teams do. But um, I felt that that sort of 4-3-3 had very poor sort of passing connectivity. Um, and like it's like Teroda is not really like a guy to, to kind of have him run behind. Um also played some young players like it's it's also and then i think like conversely it kind of exposed them because a lot of times it, it ended up being like a sort of four and then like Schallenbeck kind of trying to protect against counterattacks by himself and then having a back line which like matriciani we know is not like a great defensive player like he's got a lot of offensive qualities a little bit similar to ubeyan who um wonderful technical player but again and then, like Timo Baumgart and Kaminski, like not not sort of the quickest to kind of play a play a kind of a high line with. And like one way I thought that Kiel were were able to take advantage is is is, is they quickly got the ball back because Schalke were isolated a lot of times on these wings. There's so many of these instances in the first 15, tw- uh, 10 minutes or so. And and then once once that happened, like Kiel were very happy to kind of go along and take advantage of like basically just forcing Schalke into. One v one, which which I also thought was kind of like a wrong scheme to to take because like, you know, like Kaminski and Baumgartner are not really like great sort of one on one defenders, especially in space. It's also like a pretty big misuse of Schallenberg's qualities, uh, and as evidenced by the red card. And Kiel were really good at like sort of, you know, making these um, positional rotations. So so they would um, you know rotate one of the center backs up up to a six space and then like bring Shipsky back um and but i think probably the key one was was the the switches with Machuto to Rote and i thought Rote's role as like again he's another guy where like defensively you know there's some question marks but offensively like he's a wonderful talented guy and and he had all the space right because of again like sort of against a very narrow um, four two three, four two three one, uh, out of possession. Um, it was a lot of times, and it was just even like the first fifteen minutes. Uh, I mean, not just in one of the goals, but but even before that, where you could get get the ball on on say the right side from a throw in, and and uh, Kiel would have um, sort of the front three overloading, and then like Machuto could just just ping a ball, um, get the get the switch, and Rota um, can just go in. And then conversely, when when they were building out of the back, it was there was a lot of space for Matriciano because a lot of times like he was getting pinned in as, as sort of a narrow fullback by one of those strikers, whether it's Pichler or Spipski making the run. And then, then the distance that he would have to cover in, in getting to Rota was sometimes 40, 50 meters. And so um, a lot of times like Kiel, I thought was really, really well prepared in, in, in those scenarios of, of being able to get past Schalke. Um, and so I think even, even sort of before um, all the red card stuff, uh, like, I mean, of course it impacted the game, right? It massively impacted the game. But I also, also thought that, like, even before, Kiel were just in so many of these advantageous positions into, with, with, with their structure, with their sort of well-drilled approach against um, what was, I don't want to say, like, haphazard for Schalke, but for sure it was, like, a plan that it just seemed very, very inconceivable that it would work. Yeah. To me, they felt really passive, and, and even when they were going forward in possession... There was obviously a lot of uh, Drago, and like he can do a lot of good things 
in taking on players, but obviously he's still got to work on decision-making, especially with passing the ball. Tends to make a lot of questionable passing decisions. Not to say that he's, he's not... He's 17, right? I know, I know, I know, I know. I, know. I, I, saw, I saw four months ago. Four months ago, I was, I was in... Um... Debrecen, Hungary, which were, which were the site of the U17 Euros, and I got to see him, I'd say, three times or maybe twice in, in, in the, the final and then the quarterfinals, and, and I, to be honest with you, like, I didn't really, you know, I mean, on that team with you Noah Darvich and Paris Brunner and, and a bunch of other sort of higher talents, um, he was... He was definitely he definitely stood out, but it wasn't like he didn't stand out because of this like sort of fancy mm. like I didn't you know didn't foresee this, and obviously I think since he's started this fight the Bundesliga and to be sort of a starter in the fight the Bundesliga and to be really like sort of the best uh, most most capable kind of offensive player on, on Schalke, which is, which is is pretty crazy and mm. and probably also criticism of like playing that system with Posagin and and <laughs> Dani Latza again like not not yeah. not really like players who are who are suited to. That sort of offensive um, style. So yeah, um, I would say like it's uh, it's it's again like it's sentiment to Kiel for sure. But but I would say it's it's probably more of a criticism of of Schalke and and Rice also after the match was like pretty confused and and mm. just said a lot of kind of cliches. But and yeah, I I think uh, it's it's not. I mean, obviously it's been a bad start, but it's also like I don't really see like how it kind of turns around quickly for them like i wonder what you think about it yeah it wasn't like going at him because he's you know 17 i think it's a lot of responsibility to put on someone of his age to be such a creative outlet for them and yeah 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 because yeah. like, <laughs> he's going to be good look he's going to be a really good player and and i think you know with the right sort of molding and coaching you know you can continue to improve and develop his growth yeah i i don't i think they feel Chalka feels slow. I think that's the the sort of consensus. It's almost like they're they're still playing in the Bundesliga where they have to be very resolute defensively and then when they get their opportunities to go forward, they've got to be efficient, otherwise it's not gonna pan out. I don't know. I I just yeah, I didn't really like the, the starting eleven that Rice picked. It was just weird and it was almost in many ways. Uh, I think if I was Marcel Rep looking at that team sheet with the, the sort of the younger group of players with, you know, a lot of hunger and a lot of intensity in, in, in the way they want to play off the ball, it to me feels like it was almost tailored for, for Kiel. And when they got forward, especially into those dangerous areas, whether it was catching Schalke off on the high line or, you know, playing those those diagonals, you could see that Kiel had had all the answers. Uh, I, you know, really liked what Kiel were doing. and. Yeah. And yeah, I, look, I, look, I, I loved the Machino signing when it happened first. Having watched a little bit of him in the J League, and he, you know, he scored those four goals against Gambro Saka, which was showed, you know, the man knows how to find the back of the net. But he, he, he does a lot of good stuff off the ball as well. Um, he gets in a really good position. As you look at where uh, the goal, how the goal comes about, just puts himself in an incredible position. Has his defender really in an uncomfortable situation and. And even has Muller, Kevin, uh, Marius Muller, who was also was pretty good in this game again. He's had an unbelievable mm-hmm. start to the season. Um, you can just see that that when this when this machine when Kiel get it all together, you can see that they could be a potential top sixteen. Obviously, with four games in, but I yeah I I don't know how you see it, but like the how they've tried to rejuvenate this team from one of the worst offensive teams last season 
like we know they can score goals in in a variety of different players, but I think they're just a little bit more stable all around the park, and that might be an indictment on what Schalke did because they didn't seem to do a whole lot uh, in this game. Yeah, and you know they kind of beat themselves uh, last week against Magdeburg. I mean, mm. with some of the sort of defensive <laughs> faux pas, and and yeah, like it's a fairly new back three, right? With and Eras is again like one of these guys who's probably more of a sixth than a center back, and then mm. he does that. And but Ivasic was really solid. I would say like I think had like an amazing sort of distance covered game, and then um, Porat as, as as a wing back is is, is again very very solid and. But that front three, I think, just kind of makes a lot of the difference. And I think, um, in general, having having sort of mobile and versatile, like Pichler's always been a guy that that everyone's really liked. Um, it's you know, and and still like they, there's there's very good depth. I would I would even say with with, with Simakala, like he didn't even didn't even get off the bench. Was one of the probably the players of the season in Titaliga with maybe Voltamata. I would say, but. Um, so there's, I mean, yeah, Kiel is, is is kind of like an underrated team, and and I think in in many ways, like they have probably a little bit more financial power than people I think uh, are aware of. Uh, I think the Machudo uh, uh, Machino signing is is a little bit of evidence in that, and uh, but yeah, it's just it's just, and then I mean, Marcel Rupp has long been a a, a good coach. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's 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 a little bit funny for Schalke to to lose to like essentially like a team that had like half of <laughs> ex Schalke players. Because I think I think later on, right, like we had Holtby come on. I think I think even Timo Becker came on, and of course um, the goalkeeper change, which which I think Kicker was talking about uh, the goalkeeper change, uh, kind of igniting uh, some of the things. Which I think in this game it probably didn't matter given how how little. Uh, uh, offensive output Schalke had, but uh, I think in general uh, that's that's probably. Uh, I mean, without knowing too much about Team on Vina, but uh, yeah, it's just uh, like I think in general uh, a very very solid team versus uh, one that's really really fine looking to find itself. Um, and I'm not sure if Schalke will. Well, we'll see. Luckily, there's 30 more games for them to figure it out. There is sort of like an element of last time they were here sort of situation. They were very vulnerable early in the season. They had that 4-1 defeat at Regensburg. And, um, you know, they obviously held on for a long time with Dimitrius Gramotzis, uh 25 match days, in fact, and then Bushkins came in and they won eight of their last nine games and gained promotion. And But, you, you, yeah. but I would say, like... <laughs> say like the difference now is that the squad quality is much poorer now mm. um if, even if you just look at really anything and 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 Eteroda is also two years older now right like he's no longer sort of the goal guarantee and doesn't really offer much right and you know they, they lost Bülter obviously and I was out doing wing back things for for half the time and um so it's just like I think it's a little bit more dire and yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure Thomas Rice doesn't have 30 more games. Uh, I'd be kind of surprised if he has like, like three more. Like, and, and I know you have sort of the the upcoming games up for them. And now you know they're they're going to lose Schallenberg for it's been two games, right? And it's just like, I mean, yeah, I, I think I admire sort of the idea of like, okay, we're not going to try to play the sort of boring five-three-two that got them there. But but it's like this squad is just not really like suited for mm. sort of like. 
um, four three three attacking. Like just you just have a bunch of these players who who just be much more much more used. Like almost all their center backs. Like again, Ovejan. I know they're trying to sign like I think Kalash as a center back, and they want to get a new left back as well. So they they are um, trying to make a few a few of these moves. But um, yeah, I think they're probably at least like sort of one. Um, goal scorer slash like attacking threat uh, short and and uh, I mean Templeman I thought was like a bright spot when when he came on and then you know I'm pretty big fan of Kazuki who was on their second team and then was 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 one of the really outstanding players of of, of last season for them but it's yeah like there are just some head scratchers of that they made like the Cisse signing which mm. not just because like he got a card in the first game but he was just you know. Before that, he was that, and, and and even like sort of people who knew him was just like this guy is not going to play in second Bundesliga. So like it was it's kind of a, a strange, a strange brood that they that they have got there, and and like I think by names they have a, a fairly decent amount of squad, but when like you look at sort of the performance or just those players playing together, it's yeah, and 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 now I think anyone really kind of taking over this team potentially is is, is just in this really difficult situation with, with all the pressure and now you're behind the eight ball with, with three points in four games. No question about it. Schalke at Wiesbaden on the weekend. Kiel, welcome Paderborn. Both those games are Saturday afternoons. Let's make a move to the top spiel game of the match day, the, Saturday, the late Saturday night game. That was Hanover and Hamburg at the Heinz von Heiden Arena. 49,000 packed the stadium. 20,000 of those uh, were Hamburg fans. They brought a massively strong contingent uh, and a game that had... Ex- an excellent atmosphere. Uh, two notable incidences in, in this game. The red card for Guillermo Ramos, which I you know, don't see how anyone could argue with it being a straight red card. But the goal coming from the 10 men of Hamburg, uh, Bakriata getting his second goal in consecutive games and a, another win for Hamburg. They remain top. Feels like a little bit of a missed opportunity for Hanover. They, you know, having the man advantage for more than half an hour and not really you know, being able to, to find a solution to get past Daniel Hoyer-Fernandez. Um, but it was interesting, this game, from from a Hamburg perspective, you, we saw Ransford Jubal Konigsdorfer playing as an eight uh, with uh, Laszlo Benish out for the game. But from, like, from your perspective, how did you see this game tactically, whether you want to talk about Ham- Hamburg or Hanover, up to you? But what, what interested you from this game? Yeah, first, like, you know, just... Being able to go there was really cool for me, and, and watching the being among the forty nine thousand, and like have to say, like the atmosphere. Like I've, I've actually not been to Hanover before, and and uh, it's it's quite grown on me, and and just their fans as well. And I mean, again, like teams don't really have much of a rivalry, right? Because they have both have sort of other more important rivals. But it was really nice to see, like again, that the Hamburg contingent as well, and and uh, you know they did a lot of the fireworks and these kind of things which which made the game you know saturday you know saturday night nice weather like it was it was really really perfect in that sense and and i'd say like there was a lot of intensity to do it to it um and i felt quite bad for guillermo ramos because of just you know like how atrocious he was last season for, for bielefeld and and in general like his signing in hamburg was was I would say of concern and and the first few games were I would say concerning and he had an amazing game until the red card which, which I thought he was a pretty unfortunate because it was one of the like few Halstenberg um, passes that um, was I would say just kind of missed mishit or, or hopeful just kind of lofted and and 
And it's almost like he wasn't sure what to do. But before that, like, you know, Gramos was clearing everything up for him and Hajikanis were, were really, really good in that sense. And um, yeah, and then, then to kind of see him um, like in the tunnel um, and, and, and just standing outside and, and, and having to watch like for, for, <laughs> for like the rest of the second half after he came back out, it was a little bit heartbreaking uh, for him. Yeah, and uh, tactically, um, yeah, I think the Ranci Koenigsdorf are being almost like the free man in, in some ways. Where, where a lot, uh, you could see this in the first half, where, where they were very deliberately using him uh, to overload mostly Hanover's left side, um, and and there was a lot of two two v ones there with with Luther Rice coming out. But you know now the difficulty with 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 poor Tim Balter is you know, it's got to be killing him. Is that like he doesn't really have like those great build-up players or, or those guys. And they don't really try those Tim Balter rotations, right? Like, it's it's almost, you know, because Van der Bremt is, is kind of a bruising fullback who um, had a lot of defensive duties in this game dealing with Derek Kern. And then, like, neither of his center backs are, are all that great on the ball. So it doesn't, you know, um, so he doesn't actually do that much of it. And and Hanover did pretty well in, like, closing down those gaps. And, and they have very, very solid back five. Um you know, with with excellent athleticism, you know, like good positioning sense, and and you know, I think Halstenberg is well protected by by some of the others, Neumann and, and Breitner MB. So, um, yeah, and then conversely, I thought that like it was almost like Stefan Leitl was confused by like what are we supposed to do with the man up <laughs> at the end? because I thought that they you know in person that I watched the game with like is a Freitag Bundesliga analyst and uh, and co trainer like we're both kind of thinking about of well, what's the point of playing with the back three against when you're when you're a man up and 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 then you also have like a, a defensive midfielder in Kunze and 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 also if 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 out of that back three you you have Heisenberg just you know we were joking that he was playing like Bonucci just playing these passes and 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 it was almost always um, to Derek Kern and then he would try to do one v one but the sort of end product I would say was often kind of lacking or it was dangerous and then and then uh yeah they had a good spell i would say to sort of right after the red card when when hamburg took this weird 5-2-2 shape which just left them so narrow and then hanover was able to create those chances and fortunately sort of uh Trisoldi wasn't able to take advantage of him but I, I still quite like him as a player and then you know just sort of a Big, big kind of onslaught from Hanover with with Schaub and and then but and then, then I kind of noticed of like how dire their options are and I mean hopefully Mohamed Damar coming on loan from from Hoffenheim is is gonna help those because they could definitely use someone because it was like just had like no creativity Toichert you know I mean is is a guy who I think completed one dribble out of five in that game so it's not really gonna be those guys and Trezoldi had a Difficult match finishing. I mean, he had a great match sort of getting into those positions and I think ended up with six shots. And and it's, yeah, so I think Martin Kinn said after the game that they took a huge step forward and um, and he was very happy. And, and I think I could see sort of what he's saying. But I think probably the team that took a huge step forward was Haas. How, mm. Not just because of the result, because of just as it's, it's a game that they basically ground out with with grinded out with with a with a few like really nice transition moments i mean i don't think you're gonna get a better sort of combination of first touch from glatzel and then finish from from yata i mean that's one of those where it will be like in the sort of season ending highlights one. 
Yeah, but look, you 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 know you hit the nail on the head with with Hanover. If you look, they only made two substitutions in this game as well. Yeah. Um, you know, they took both their uh, central midfielders in that in their system in in, in Leopold um, and Kunze for for what um, was it Sebastian Ernst and, and Harvard Nielsen, who aren't exactly like for like players, and <clears throat> you know, it just yeah, they 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 you know, you look at how many goals they've scored from the spot. They've scored four goals. Four of their goals have come from penalties this season. So you can, if you if you sort of take away that as a whole you know they're they're you know at the start of the season talking with a few people it was definitely one of the areas that it's like okay Toykert had a really good season last year last time uh Trisoldi is up and coming but what else do you have if option a doesn't really work and this was probably a great example of that where they even though they've had, they've had more attacking players on the pitch they still couldn't really find the golden moment where they could either take the lead or get that goal back because they had still had 21 minutes of normal time to still create. And, you know, Hoya Fernandez was really good in this game for mine. And even Ambrosius, who came on um, to, to, to shore up the defense, he, he was in kicker's team of the week, which I think shocked everyone, to be honest. But he was fine. Like He was he was really good. I, I, I thought, yeah. And, and it was sort of funny. I, I met... Um, uh, someone who coached them in the youth uh, and the second team the day after in Hamburg. And, and uh, we were just kind of talking about him as, as, as whether sort of what his role is. And, and I, and, and I, I thought like, yeah, he definitely made a huge difference there because of with that, that few minutes when they, um, without Ramos and then when they had, they hadn't made the, the substitution yet, like they definitely looked a little lost. Hmm. And then once he came in, he, he, he shored things up and, and was also, I mean, it, you know, he's a guy that, if he hadn't had, I think it's two, but might actually be three sort of ACLs. Like he'd be, he'd be sure like a Bundesliga player if if not higher. So um, yeah, it's just one of those things for him, and and it hasn't looked like. I mean, I know he started the season out uh, as as a starter, and seems like he's been. I mean, I guess he's ahead of Jonas Savage, but he's sort of the sort of third center back, um, and they have two in Ramos and, and Dukanic too. Who are very strong defensively, but now I think he'll he'll get a chance to to show because he has probably the most sort of on ball qualities of, of 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 those of those guys and and yeah it's it's, it's it was it was I think a, a very logical substitution yeah I'm generally against kind of including someone who only played like thirty five minutes in the uh, but especially as a center back unless he did like you know a hat trick or whatever but yeah <laughs> but also I think not not too many. I don't know, like, not too many other... I mean, I guess Halstenberg was, was not too many of the great centre-back performances, but I thought, like, Halstenberg was... It was really cool to see him, and just, again, like, you know, he's a guy who comes back to his boyhood club, right? And and definitely, I would say, the most popular jersey on the day in the stadium, the, the new Halstenbergs, and and just, just playing, you know, he's a guy who, you know, a lot of the times, I mean, I think my, you know, familiar to him is, as, as, as a full-back, right? And occasionally, obviously, as a left-sided centre-back, back but he was a central center back and just playing these passes and and you could still see sort of the technical quality and and he did well defensively as well so um yeah that was a that was a good game uh from from him and um yeah it's yeah i'd say like it's with hanover like i think there's probably some financial issues as well with with kind i mean um otherwise uh, they they should have made a few 
more of these signings. Um, I mean, even just just uh, like just really any offensive signing would have would have helped them. Um, um, because yeah, like Damar, I think will be good for them, but he's another one that just loaned from Hoffenheim, like Maxi Bayer mm. last season, but now he's gone. So it's it's I don't you know it's Tresoldi I think has a very very bright future, but he might be like sort of a year away or you know, but it's obviously great that he gets these chances to 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 play there and yeah, but uh, it's 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 like there's a few other teams I think San Paoli will be another one that they just have a really really tough time kind of buying goals. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Hanover are on the road. They are going to be in Fürth on Sunday. Hamburg, they welcome Hansa Rostock also on Sunday. That is a World Feed game. That should be an interesting encounter, another classic Nord encounter. Let's move to our final Group 1 game. We're going to head to the Olympia Stadion. It's Hertha against Greuther Fürth. Hertha entered the match day winless, goalless, bottom of the table, (laughs) in need of victory against a Fürth side who beat Paderborn on match day one. Uh, but <clears throat> seeking some more continuity after the nil-nil draw against St. Pauli on the previous match day. But I don't think any of us were really prepared for what was going to happen on that day at the Olympia Stadion. 5-0 the final score to Hertha BSC. Uh, a brace from Harris Tabakovic, who was then criminally subbed off and denied the opportunity to score his hat-trick. Uh, Martin Winkler... Got uh, his first Svarta Bundesliga goal, a goal mouth scramble, and uh, it, the ball just fell to him and he took it well. Palka Daidai scored literally 30 seconds into the second half where Furt completely collapsed defensively, and Smale Prevliak also getting his first Svarta Bundesliga goal. There was change in personnel. Tony Leisner becomes the captain with Marco Richter leaving. We see Mikhail Karbovnik make his first Svarta Bundesliga appearance for Hertha as a left-back. What did you see from his game, and and what was what was the interesting things that Hertha were providing to finally get over the hurdle of scoring a goal, but also winning? Yes, I'd like to think that my little two thousand word article about Hertha's terrible start uh, reverse jinxed them. <laughs> um, I, I do know that at least uh, much of the coaching staff was able could could read it in Hungarian. So, but uh, to be kind of more like on a serious side like I think tactically obviously probably the biggest one was just Greuther Fürth being a team that you know it's a Thorninger team so they're going to be really good with sort of pressing and, and it doesn't seem like they work too much on the build-up and, and Hertha did have a good game plan I mean um, I think it's the first time I've really seen them consistently high press um, and you could see this because it's kind of understated by uh, the PPDA, the passes allowed for defensive action, which was in the first 30 minutes. So when they went up to you nil, know, it was 7.8 and 5.8, which is again they were means that they were very active there. And there was a, several high high press sequences um, that actually led to turnovers, right? So sometimes it was, of course, unforced. Like uh, I mean, the obviously really miserable Dietz back pass to mm. poor Jonas uh, Sorbig. Um, but also, so I thought that was one. And then like, uh, the other one is just kind of, which they haven't had is, is their own buildup in terms of when they are faced with pressure, which you knew that Pierce were going to, uh, and, and that they, and even after the press, post-match, press match conference praised Karbovnik, who, I mean, everybody kind of knew if, if you saw him at Düsseldorf as, as, as probably the best sort of, uh, probably the most technical, uh, fullback. I mean, he's, he's a guy who is a, center back sort of upbringing and that's where he wants to play and, and he's a kind of a like there they actually called him a little bit philip lam like which definitely true because like he does like to do the inversion 
Uh, and he's a right-footed player on the left, so he's going to naturally go into the to the middle. And there was a bunch of times when when um, um, they were able to just get out against the pressing by by moving him inside and just having having him receive there. And and that that a couple of good interesting rotations with Jujak uh, moving into one of the half spaces on the right. I mean, Palco was had a different role, like so he he you know uh, in the previous matches he basically played kind of a right winger, and, and here he played as a left sided eight, which uh, often allowed Fabian Reza to get into those one me ones, and and they had these very very quick combinations. And Tabakovic has always been a guy that even in the first few games, like he's very very good at coming deep and combining. Um, his sort of lack of speed um, can be concerning, but in this game it was against sort of the first back line, which was just so miserable that they were just able to go through it. And then the other one is the transitions, right? So with with, with Palco as well, with, with with Karbovnik receiving, like just bypassing that press, um, they were able to do it. And 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 like the efficiency and goal, which which they haven't had. So I think almost all of those things kind of worked in in Hertha's favor and. By the time I thought that, like, kind of figured stuff out in the second half, um, where they did have a bunch of chances, it was already three 0 and then you know they 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 couldn't really couldn't really capitalize on them, and it just kind of, I mean, it was away from them, and then it was just sort of you know uh, TKO. Yeah, I mean, you, you could just imagine the team talk after two 0 He yanked um, Dietz and Subeni after half an hour and sort of tried to change it up and and the team talk is we got to but somehow it was worse with Haddadi, i thought like with, yeah. when Haddadi came, it was like he came in and like kind of un, unsure of like yeah and yeah it was also kind of a strange thing to have Serbeni and, and Hergota who were both like much mm. more of a number 10 players mm. and Lemperle and then not start Zeeb who, who had a you know really nice goal so it was, it was kind of a questionable thing against Thorniger and then he got sent off so yeah. yeah like I mean I think if you are like a long time kind of follower of Thorniger like say like the Stuttgart teams right the, the, those used to be famous for the the 5-0 the, the, the just blow up you know complete self-destruction was almost like bi-weekly for them so in that sense like he's taken a lot of evolution and you know I'm I generally like I'm a big fan of him obviously especially sort of as a person like if you remember sort of some of the Julian Green stuff and him standing up for sort of things that are right to stand up for. So it's 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 tough to see that happening to them. And and I think for, yeah, like, uh, again, a team that I kind of enjoy watching. But it was just today, it was just, or on Saturday, it was just this complete complete blackout. And, and conversely for Hertha, it's just like, I, I don't think they really expected this to, mm. to, to go well. And they certainly needed one. Well, you, you know, you know things are going to go your way when you can sort of press your way. Like if you look at the the, the Tabakovic opening goal, obviously it's a, it's it's not a good pass from Dietz. He sells Urbig down the river, and Tabakovic just gets in the way of the like it, it, like it's such a such a you know it's it's great defensive work from Tabakovic to force the error, but you know after that the, once they once they finally got the goal, they played with certainly a lot more confidence. Um, especially in the transition game, and you could see that they were able when when Furt decided to play a you know a bit more heavier on the higher line, uh, you know they were able to get in behind. And you look at the the goal from from Palco Dardai, he he it was a three v one. He could have he could have yeah. raffled it off to anyone, yeah. but but yeah. being but I mean being, the fourth goal as well. Yeah. Yeah, 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 equally the same. I mean, but but you know I, I love that Dardai. You know Palco took the onus on himself and said, you know. What, 
I'm going to I'm going to take the responsibility finishes it well. One thing I would suggest is that we that someone should have thrown a life jacket on the st- on the ground for for Jonas Ullbig because yeah. he he got, you know, th- this is the goalkeeper of me coming out. He got he got so, done so dirty by his defense cuz yeah. they did and not help him at all. If you remember like if you remember um the the sort of mistake against Tabakovic, like they had a very similar play mm. which was like a direct restart um in the fifth minute where you know Dietz plays it back to him but he plays it sort of outside of the, the frame of the goal which is what you're supposed to do right mm. like the, that's the one thing that like you're not supposed to yep. play it on goal because then you know you could just all kinds of bad things happen right and yeah it's just it's just like one of those things where where you know you have these kind of days in, in football and um yeah, it's 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 a. I think they probably didn't expect this level of pressing because it's not really like a characteristics of mm. of, of the Arday teams. It's one of the things I, I criticized them for in, in the article, uh, but they did they did it really well. Um, and yeah, like I mean, I mean, really all the things that they didn't have. I mean, I think still like they they could use a little bit more sort of passing out of the back. I think I think Paolo also mentioned this after the game, but um, yeah, it's it's like that's just kind of how quickly kind of things. Uh, change in football is that you have you have one one of these games and then you know all, all could all could be fixed and yeah we'll see i think i think you know whether or not they can kind of do it against uh, someone like a magdeburg or, or later keel which is the next few games and that'll be probably the real test yeah let's see if this is consistent or if this was just a fad fit as we mentioned they've got hanover on sunday let's take our first break and on the other side we'll discuss our group two games starting at the home t- home deluxe arena when Paderborn hosted Kaiserslautern. Kaiserslautern were hoping to make it back-to-back victories when they made the journey to Paderborn on Friday night. Ragnar Ake has proven so far to be worth every penny of the million that they spent on him from Eintracht Frankfurt. But could they do it against a Paderborn side that has been frustrating in their opening three encounters? Well, the answer was yes. They scored twice in the space of six minutes. The first goal coming from Marlon Ritter, a former Paderborn player. It was initially given as offside. He didn't really celebrate it. But with the video assistant referee, it was proven that Ritter was in fact onside and the goal counted. On 65 minutes, Ragnar Ake scored his third goal of the campaign with an excellent header, which took a deflection, was initially was also parried by Hoot, came off the crossbar and in. Paderborn did get a goal back through Florent Moslier. His cross was, many thought, was initially turned in by Antonio Grimaldi, but Grimaldi tried to pull to Cristiano Ronaldo and claimed that he'd scored the goal when, in fact, he did not touch the ball at all. Paderborn did press for as a second goal, but they were unable to do it as the clock stopped on their time of getting a victory and Kaiserslautern making it two victories in a row. It's a very frustrating game for Paderborn. They just, it almost felt like they couldn't get much going as you would expect from a team like, you know, like Kaiserslautern who would have had the idea of coming with a, coming away with a draw. They played like a team that was playing, trying to get the draw, but they did have some decent moments when they got forward and, and they're showing that with the system, with, with Ake up top, they can still provide offensive threat and in the end, they were able to get the three points. Yeah, I would say like frustration kind of describes probably this game well. And, you know, I'm not going to pretend I was objective about this one because I spent <laughs> watching with uh, 
many of many of the people who who work for Paderborn and scouting and and, and whatnot. So uh, they were certainly frustrated. I think even not necessarily sort of with their play because I thought like first thirty minutes or even even more like they had it under control and there was you know at least a couple of very good chances. The one with Bilbia who, who uh, went down and then now he, he's he's injured, which further adds to kind of their goal-scoring issues, and then Sebastian Klaas had probably the best one, which, which was really, really uh, closed out. Well, it was one of the best sort of kind of short, short-roll goalkeeper closeouts by, by Julian Kral that I had seen. Um, and yeah, I think I think for Lautan definitely looked like they came to, I would say, kind of sit back passively and then kind of, as the game progressed, kind of got forward in, in their man-marking scheme, took a few more risks and... and uh, yeah, I think in general uh, there was a lot of frustration with sort of the, the little bit of the time wasting, play acting aspects of it that that they employed a bit. But you know, it's not going to be sort of a major surprise if you if you're familiar with Dirk Schuster's uh, body of work. Um, definitely uh, not on the prettier side of things. And but with Acher, I was I thought it was interesting. Like it's my first time seeing him live, and I think what you really get with him is just this raw, like athletic ability of a guy who just roams around and and sometimes it's a little bit out of control like like sometimes you might not be aware of kind of where things are going but but you know obviously we know we know he's a monster in the air um and and defensively also also works really hard so it's understandable why he kind of starts over terence boyd who you know is probably kind of winding down and although he, he did he did come in and, and was pretty useful in getting those kind of fouls which which exactly which is exactly the type of fouls you you're annoying the home crowd with <laughs> um for the most part and and uh, yeah so so i would say like but but i, I thought like for for Lauter's perspective like like Niehaus had some really really amazing moments and just showed a lot of composure tomiak uh, one of the best sort of defensive performances i've I've seen um, Tachi. I don't. I, don't, I think <laughs> much the chagrin of, of of the people in the crowd who weren't used to those kind of performances for Paderborn. Mm. Were had had especially just kind of just how he's come on for for Redondo, who is anonymous in the first half, and and just like out of kind of nowhere, he was he was doing these kind of things which which you didn't know. And and I mean, but I mean, just just there's there is like almost a disturbing amount of talent on this. Lautern team, if you look at like Puchaut or if, like Philip Clement, who was one of the huge heroes for Paderborn in the season that they got promoted uh, with, with Stefan Baumgart, he doesn't even really make the match day squad. So uh, there's, there's, I think, a lot more sort of talent. And then, you know, Zoldo came from Köln. I mean, there's a lot more talent than, at Lautern than, than sort of the underdog image that they, they might be uh, particularly uh, happy to, to project. And obviously, um, yeah, uh, the, the sort of Goals that they took are exactly kind of the goals that Paderborn tends to sometimes give up, which is, you know, kind of box defending, which, you know, with the retirement of Uwe Hünemeyer, who uh, was, was there, right, as an assistant coach, like, you know, they don't really defend it that well, and they didn't have sort of an aerial presence. I mean, uh, there, uh, they didn't start Tobias Müller, but, but, but played more with, with, with sort, of, sort of playmakers there. And Kurda, who, who one of I would say one of the outstanding players so far in the second Bundesliga. I mean, this is a guy that even Klasniok was talking about the uh, press conference about how this is a guy who was a TSG Balingen, the mighty TSG Balingen, um, a few months ago. Um, 
probably didn't have his best game, but he's had like an outstanding season from a guy. Who, and, and then Kimberly Ezekwam as well, who was on loan from Freiburg, just looked really, really smooth on the ball. But it's like a lot of times with Paderborn, right, where um, they have these really, really nice sequences. They play pretty football and, and somehow miss kind of efficiency, right? And you could say, okay, well, what if Max Cruz is healthy, right? What if, you know, Pieringer was still around or Felix Platte was still sort of, you know, I mean, if Felix Platte was healthy, that's it's sort of a lifelong question. Uh, so, but but it's it's again like it's it's disappointing for them for sure. And yeah, I think I think um, you know, there's bright spots like Hansen and whatnot. But but overall, like uh, it's just one of those things where probably the difference between kind of playing for promotion and I mean these are the games, right? And then they were you know, unfortunate with. The first game being being a you know early red card for them and then a kind of a, a blackout performance and not really coming back from that and and uh, and now sort of four points in four games which which leaves them not really sitting pretty and and, and Lautern and uh, conversely who've had a dismal start are now have shown sort of that that they have this you know squad depth for sure and and resilience and. All those things that the Schuster is known for, uh, but but you probably do need some of that in the fight of Bundesliga, and and I think, I mean, even some of the teams that have gotten promoted in the last last uh, couple of seasons is, is I, th- I would say there's been more more of those who are familiar with a little bit of the dark arts necessarily than than <laughs> than say sort of the, the excellent sort of football and of course that's that's completely part and parcel of of, of it, and yeah, so um, I, that's that's kind of how I I. Uh, understood that game uh, there look if you if you if at the end of the day if you if you score more goals than your opponent we can look through all the stats um of how the game went you know end of the day if you can put the ball more in the back of the net more times than the opponent you know you take the three points and that's you know normally we're so used to seeing kaiserslautern have to come from behind it's it's unusual that they uh they take leads in games they did it Last week against Elversburg, then they were 2-1 down and they did that classic thing where they, they came from behind and they took all three points and, <clears throat> you know, I, I you know they, they just were efficient. And you mentioned Tashi, who um, came on, he assisted the the Ake goal um, with that what was glorious, glorious ball into the box and Ake just towering over the defender. I think it was Hoffmeyer um, in that situation. So mm-hmm. they, so, yeah. They're just doing Dirk Schuster things. It's not pretty. It's definitely not great to watch, but they work hard. Um, they're not afraid to do the dirty work. And yeah, look, they, they, they can be efficient in front of goal. They've, they've proven that, um, you know, that it's the second consecutive game. that they've, they've scored two or more goals. They defended a little bit better in this game than they did against Elversburg. Um, but yeah, you know, there are bigger tests ahead for them. You know, Nuremberg... Who's who? Kaiserslautern have next, but the game against Karlsruhe away in a derby game that um that one I'm really intrigued with because Karlsruhe will will definitely you know play a style of football that will unsettle them as they did uh, a few months ago towards the end of the end of last season. But uh, Paderborn have got Kiel away, uh, Wiesbaden at home after the uh, the international break, and you know two teams that play very contrasting styles. And um, yeah. I, if we if we come back in 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 a few weeks time and and Paderborn are, you know don't win one of those two games you're probably starting to wonder um 
if the squad mix, because as the, the transfer window is about to wind up at the time of recording this, um, you just wonder if the squad mix is, is really where Kwasniok wants it to be in terms of how he wants them to play, because it does seem at the moment that the connection, the front three, there's a lot of action with Muslia, which I'm, I'm all for, but it's very inconsistent. You can't get consistency out of Sir Lord Conte. He didn't start in this game. It, it does feel like they are missing maybe one or two pieces to, to really enable their offensive output to improve. Yeah, but it's also about kind of opportunities that they have and, and you know, knowing sort of their budget. And, and, and again, like this is, keep in mind, this is one of the lowest budgets in the league that mm. teams consistently been overperforming and playing attractive football and, and losing their, you know, some of their best players. I mean, look at, look at sort of Peering or Schallenberg were absolute sort of key players for them. And, and it's just some of the injury issues as well with, with, with Max Cruz, who um, they're hoping to get back a uh, um, little bit, a uh, little disappointing for me on a personal note that, that I was <laughs> sitting in, in the section where, where they had the, the players who were unused uh, for, for that game. And, and unfortunately, later uh, the next day, uh, when I watched the highlights, I, I found out that Max was at the game, but he was not sitting in that section. So, uh, so personally disappointing for me in that sense. But uh, no, I, I think I think uh, for for them as well, it's it's you know it's obviously not the start that they they had hoped, and and um, you know again another game where I mean, this one and the Osnabrück one were to just have like one point out of those is 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 uh, is difficult. Uh, that's from them and yeah but uh yeah well uh, i mean again um so it's definitely not sort of the start that they had last season when they when they stormed, stormed out of the gates and fizzled out so maybe they're kind of well maybe they they will uh hopefully uh grow into this season and um see see where it takes them but i think like sort of on the on the flip side of it is is that there's not really like sort of a other than has there's not really like a team that's kind of Dominant in the sense that you know I think I think Kiel is, is is a is a good candidate for sure in terms of the results and 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 as we discussed but but I think no one's really kind of thinking of them as the obvious promotion candidate and the ones that we did think of as, as, as Schalke and Hertha haven't really started that way and so so I think in in, in that sense that, that the field is is, is still uh, very tight absolutely and you know in a, in probably the next five or six weeks. We might have a better indicator of who's got what and uh, who could be challenging um, in those promotion places, whether Paderborn or Kaiserslautern could find themselves in the mix. We'll find out. Let's talk about a team that is currently, let's say, uh, kicking the coverage. Uh, that's Hansa Rostock. They hosted Osnabrück on Saturday afternoon, and they were able to get back to winning ways after losing to Hanover last time out. Uh, they won this one two, ga- uh, two goals to one. Uh, Juan Jose Pereira, who they signed on loan for Valve Stuttgart, he opens the scoring. Some really clumsy defending from Osnabrück. They had the two-on-one against Pereira, but he does so well. And then he beats Lennart Grill at the near post again, and, and it seems like this is going to be a storyline that we're going to have to cover every time he plays because it was another one of those just unforgivable near post mishaps where he should save it. I just don't understand it. But he should save it. I'm just going to say that. He's given up. I probably... I would say- I would say there's probably a foul in the build-up as well by the, just the, the fact that Kunze is able to get that pass off, or mm-hmm. and even before. Like I think there's there's there's, there's probably a foul there, and uh, yeah, it's it's jump. It's it's not the first time that Jumpy has not looked great, and in general, like Osnabrück back line is 
It's a, I mean, it's a very offensive one with, with Klein Hansel as a really offensive fullback. And they did lose Traore, who incidentally played in the Bundesliga for Heidenheim uh, just a few hours later. So um, it's always tough. I, I think in general, like, Elvisberg have this kind of issue of losing Boltemade and Osnabrück, obviously, with Simakala and, and, and all the fullbacks, uh, Traore. So, and so it's tough to, to go there. And, and I think... Um, I think it was maybe a couple of weeks ago when Steinsteiger talked about being a little bit naive in, in these games and, and giving up these cheap goals. And, and I mean, that was probably the definition of one. And, and, and Rostock, on, on the other hand, seemed to be getting sort of these results, right? With, 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 we're not really sure how they're doing it, right? Uh, uh, with, with Perea, who, I mean, I... I Saw him in the cup uh, in January when, when I think probably was like one of the few few games he started for Stuttgart and and but but it's like again like that's a guy that if you're able to get him you know he's a guy who was playing in the Bundesliga in the spring uh, I mean that's that's not bad and it also shows you a little bit of sort of the financial power that mm. that they have um, there um, so Alois Schwartz I mean as you know like is, is a very capable coach and got a lot of experience there and. Um, yeah, it's a it's a tough front three, as as you mentioned, with uh, two of the ex Paderborners and Ingelson, one of the hardest working guys, and then yeah. and, and then Kai Pröger, who I think again I think everyone's kind of surprised by by, by Kai Pröger uh, finishing because it's 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 not really been sort of his calling card, right? It's 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 much more been about sort of missing, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really really uh, nice start for for Rostock now, um, as you put down in the show notes here. Giving, having to play Hamburg away and then Düsseldorf and then Lautern in the next sort of three games, I think we'll we'll see if their their luck kind of uh, still holds. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the luck did hold in this game in particular, where they got the penalty uh, in you know midway through the second oh. half of the the Jamfi handball. Grill makes an excellent save on on the Proger penalty, but the save cannons off the post and it goes straight back to Proger and he taps it in for a for an easy do. So yeah, I look, you know, I think their hands are definitely better than they were last season. Uh, defensively, uh, they're, they're okay. Um, you know, they, the, one of the big signings throughout the, um, the summer was that they were going to have Oliver Hussing. He, he seems to be out long term, but they've seemed to be capable with Ross back, Rossi Paul and, and uh, Jasper Vanderver, who they signed on loan from from Paderborn, so there is a bit of a Paderborn influence on this Hansa team, but it works. Um, you know, you got Sebastian Vassiliadis on the bench as well, so uh, Pad- yeah. Pad- he didn't. He, um, be, he's he's a bit behind uh, uh, Bachman and, and Dressel. I, like I, I think that midfield too is really good as well. They like to play very wide as well with Schumacher on the left um, and Neidhart on the right, but they they've shown that they can be quite capable. Um, in, in in transitional play. Um but yeah, look, I I thought I thought Osnabrück for, for all of the defensive mishaps that they've had throughout the season, I think they were a lot better on in, in going forward. They were a little bit unlucky to not have John Verhoek score that goal or have that goal count, which would not have gone yeah. down particularly well in, in Rostock after the, the <laughs> season he had there last time. But I I think there was a lot to like about what Osnabrück were doing off the ball, you know, it was one of their better um, pressing games. They, they, they seemed a little bit more on it. I don't know how you how you feel about it, but like it, it, it's obvious that you know in the initial phases, the thing that's going to hold them back is the, is defensively. 
Um, it's another game that they've conceded two two or more goals in. Um, so I, I'm I'm not sure what Schweinsteiger might think of like adjusting whether it's reverting to a back five. Um, I like I'm not sure what, like the short term solution would be, but it, it it must be concerning, especially at home where they've conceded six goals um, in in their opening two games, and they've got Elversberg at home on Sunday. Uh, I'm not sure what like what what do you think potentially that Schweinsteiger should look at to help sort of uh, protect the defense from you know self-imposing mistakes. Yeah, I just wanted to kind of comment on the the Ferhook one, right? Because he's, he's a guy who saw them a couple times in in Rostock and just kind of the legendary status he has, and it's it's a really like cool sort of second Bundesliga story and and yeah that would have been but it seems like it's things are things are kind of working out for 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 Hansa in that sense yeah I'm 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 not sure about sort of the adjustments yet with with Osnabrück I think um a little bit like Elvisberg they they are um having some difficulties and in, in, you know I mean I think they're two of the teams have had like top three in conceding the goals and um, I think XG against their their number they're the fourth worst team, which of course Schalke being, being number one in <laughs> in that sense. But uh, yeah, uh, it just I just think sort of like I haven't you know I would probably need to kind of because I, I watch them in, in sort of the Dritte Liga much more from from an offensive standpoint. Like I did watch them a little bit against Karlsruhe in, in, in first match day or second match day first match day of the season and. They also had some major difficulties in, like, rotating um, just from the back four, like, for example. So if they if they go go in a high press and then their fullback also joins and then what happens? Who who, who joins sort of the, the, the out, out uh, the person who's uh, receiving wide? So um, I think it's, I'm not sure if, like, sort of a back five is, is something that they, they necessarily, like, mm, can employ there um it's just like uh, just it's it's probably a little bit about kind of player quality see there um because it because it is a, like a really kind of offensive team right with, with Tal Hammer who's an excellent kind of ball playing central midfielder and just a variety of really really young attackers i think i think their their thing is is likely going to be to just kind of out out attack uh them, themselves out of this. It's, I think on the on that side, like they they've probably been a little bit unlucky um, because there is the there is enough intensity that they have defensively, which might not happen in a in a back five. But um, but it's you have you know Christian Conte who um, has you know last week he had a really really nice cameo with the two goals and was actually causing a lot of problems for for Van der Werf even in this game. Um, you, you know, so so it's 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 got. I think I think they're I think you know I think Alversberg is probably sort of the perfect next opponent for them to to uh, potentially like get out of that and maybe maybe get a little maybe we gotta get a little sort of confidence boost. Yeah, absolutely. It will be fascinating to see how these how they get on, and uh, obviously they would like to get off the mark. Um, we'll get get their first win of the season. Uh, at a home game against Elversberg. Uh, Rostock, we have, as we mentioned, uh, they're in Hamburg uh, on Sunday for the World Feed game. Let's go to our last Group 2 game. We're going to head to Nuremberg. It's Nuremberg and VNV Spartan. 
this game was naughty. Uh, it was physical, uh, and referee Martin Peterson was very, very busy in this one. He was dishing out cards like Oprah Winfrey, dishing out free cards to her audience. It was busy, and um, it started pretty early, just 10 minutes of the game. Uh, I met uh, Grulian with the straight red card. Uh, he was his first time against his former club, uh, Wiesbaden. Uh, his foul on Pratayan was clear and obvious, and it was hard not to give it a straight red card. So even with Wiesbaden having the man advantage, pretty even game. Uh, then Wiesbaden went down to 10 men when uh, Lee, who was, who's been pretty decent in the opening few games, yeah. he gets the early card for diving, um, and then he gives away a foul, gets sent off. Um, and, then, and then the game kind of kicks into gear in the second half. We see uh, goals from Jan Jimmerer, on, well, sorry, <clears throat> I got ahead of myself. Ivan Pratayan opened the scoring for Wiesbaden. Uh, a set piece, uh, great ball from Hoysa. Uh, Pratayan scoring his second goal of the season. Second goal with his head as well. Had the chance to make it two moments later. He had a one-on-one with Matania, which he just completely ballooned over the bar. Um, then Jan Jimmer gets the goal to make it 2-1. Uh, then initially not really seen, but uh, a shot from Tim Hanverker. Cannons into the arm of Martin Anger. Initially not seen, but with the video assistant referee, it, it hits his hand. It seemed really stiff because from you know from watching it live, it looks like it's cannoned off his leg. Penalty given, Hanverker scores. And then um, Anger gets a second yellow card 10 minutes later for, for a pretty clumsy challenge. Um, and that pretty much ended the game, really. You know, Nuremberg... <coughs> excuse me, still dealing with that cough. Um... Nuremberg get their second consecutive win of the season. Wiesbaden have shown to be pretty tricky to get past. Um, you know, not, not, you know, I don't think Nuremberg's offensive qualities have really been, you know, they've improved from last season, but they're still not particularly that impressive. Um, what was your impressions on this one? There wasn't, like, definitely wasn't one for the purists, unless you like really physical, foul-heavy games of football, um, which this game had plenty of, you know, plenty of cards being shown, um, mostly on the, on the V Spartan side. But yeah, I, I V Spartan. <coughs> God, we're going to keep doing this. Um, v Spartan have shown to be quite prickly. They defend very well. Um, they do sit quite deep, which is pretty typical of yeah. a Kalchinski side. But um, yeah, I I I think I was disappointed in the way that they they really let the game slip away once they, you know, after the Pratayan miss for the for potential two 0 and just that instinct of Nuremberg having a slight hint, they eventually took it. Yeah, in general, like, I've been pretty impressed with, and I'm not sort of the greatest Marcus Kalczynski fan on the planet, but I have been impressed in how they've played in, uh, I mean, honestly, last season, but but probably more so in you know, this this year. I've caught a few of their games, and one against Hertha, and, and yeah, it's statistics also underlie the point you made about them being one of the deepest sitting teams and they're the ones who kind of absorb the most shots. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, so they, uh, are like, it's, it's, it's not often pretty what they do, but they do have a kind of a pretty effective kind of three, four, two, one in some ways. And, 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 uh, which, which is often a back five and then they kind of counter that, but they have a little bit more playmaking that you would think with, with, with Heiser and then, um, Heiser and, and then Lee, who I think, Probably wouldn't say is like one of the outstanding actors of the season, and Pratayan uh, showing you um, a lot of goal-storing ability. 
And a little bit, probably, I would say, just like Lytle, the turnover, it was like they were kind of surprised by um, being put into this situation. Like, it's, I mean, it sounds a little bit weird to say, but that, that they hadn't planned for it because we probably don't really plan for, you know, 11 on 10 after 10 minutes or <laughs> however long <laughs> uh, it was with, with, with Gurley and which is, again, kind of strange to get sent off against your old team but uh yeah and and it's like if that's your sort of identity which which they knew that would have to be right as a as a you know aufsteiger in, in the promoted team to to this league then then it's kind of tough to just go all of a sudden because that, that's it's not what you're doing for weeks right and and their thing is much more about uh, being able to to hit counterattacks and have some um like well sort of ball progression um so and that's definitely what he said kind of after the game coaching ski as well is that, that they need to just be like a little bit more relaxed and 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 don't do anything dumb and 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 unfortunately they they weren't really able to and he said that they're a little bit too too green uh, too too naive um in in some ways and and talked a little bit about how he you know might have a, like just in terms of the squad construction of, of, of playing these guys like like Firza, I think who um, was a reserve for much of uh, last season, or I think I think uh, Ribla is another one. Um, so I think you do have to kind of make a little bit of exception for them, just because of that, like just the squad makeup and the unprepared for situation. And conversely, I think you know, saying that for years now about. Nuremberg having, um, you know, a very very good squad and just somehow always kind of things not going where we're like this 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 is the game where where uh, it looked like it wouldn't right as it started out that way when you know th- sort of uh, early early red card but then they were uh, able to kind of turn that around with, with Jamera and and Hanverker who uh, you know came uh, came on for for Chanuzun probably one of the outstanding sort of youngsters uh, and outstanding sort of players in the second Minnesota certainly uh, this season but that just kind of shows you the depth that they have right which which conversely I mean it's not that they we's bad in the world, but but many other teams don't don't really have that kind of or even like a Florian Hübner who I mean you know is a really key part of when when Union were went up uh, in the into the, in the Bundesliga so they have you know I mean Kastrup is, is another one like they have just a lot of really really um, interesting players I mean if you can think of like the guys who didn't get off the Nuremberg bench, so Valentini, Nico Valentini, Johannes Geis, and, and Daffner. I mean, those are, those guys are all like pretty good names, you know. And if you kind of compare those kind of uh, resources they have, so with, with, with Christian Fiel has and as opposed to uh, Kaczynski, it's. I mean, I'm not saying that alone ex- explains everything for sure, but just 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 those kind of things. Like, I think in the long run, it uh, it it does uh, it does make. Uh, uh, I would say a sizable difference. Yeah, and look, you know, it, it's clear that under Fiel, they want to perhaps be a little bit younger. Maybe, I mean, mm-hmm. we've seen Uzun was quite good. With, with, you know, Nathaniel Brown came on last season yep. um, under under Hecking, and, and he's he, he beat out Handwerker to be the starting left back. But we did get to see in the Handwerker role when he came on, he got to play quite freely. He was, you know, playing further forward, which I think might be a bit better for him uh, because I would say throughout his career, one of his 
biggest uh, weaknesses is that he's quite suspect defensively and perhaps he could redefine himself as more of like an attacking winger I think because he's got you know he can get into good areas he's decent at, at set pieces and getting the ball into the box and uh, he's not afraid to shoot which 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 um which led to the penalty was it was a long range shot from range um so you know <clears throat> it is interesting I do like that you know Benjamin Goller who is a, is a player who's who's had injuries curtail his time he's had decent stints around, at Karlsruhe yeah. but he, yeah he's been around the block you know with you know Werder he Bremen, yeah. Darmstadt yeah. as well and um but I like I thought he was quite nice he's quite solid in this game so uh I'd like to see hopefully like to see more of him because he did he did cause the the Wiesbaden defense he had he had Carstens mainly as a matchup and was causing him some troubles but we'll see I I I'm still not sold on Nuremberg I'm they, they, they still need to figure out what their best front three is. Obviously, we didn't get to see a lot of Okunuki because uh, they had to make the substitution. But uh, they with Hayashi up front, they, they, they seem a little bit more dangerous than, than they do with Daphona. But again, the sample size is too small to really uh, judge that. Let's see how they go against Kaiserslautern. And then on the return from the uh, the break, they've got Furt in the derby. So we'll get a... Hopefully, hopefully over the next couple of months, we'll get a better indicator if this team has... Underfield improved offensively because the 32 goals they managed last season was, was in fact, offensive. Uh, let's take our final break. And on the other side, we'll talk about our final three games, starting at the Milan Tour when St. Pauli hosted Magdeburg. St. Pauli were hoping to break their goal drought. They hadn't managed goals since match day one when they scored twice against Kaiserslautern. They were hoping that Magdeburg would finally open that occasion, but they were left wondering what the hell is going on offensively. 0-0 the final score, a very good point for Magdeburg, who at times can be known for being a little bit dicey defensively. They had to absorb a lot of pressure. 27 shots on goal, in fact, from St. Pauli, but 12 saves from Dominic Ryman showed that perhaps this team is a little bit better defensively than we first thought. Or... Was it that St. Pauli were grossly inefficient in the final third? Abel, what were your thoughts on this one? You were at this game. It uh, seems St. Pauli, you know, we, we were concerned at the start of the season with what their offensive three could look like. Um, they showed that they can yeah. get into decent areas, but it seems converting those great opportunities is becoming harder yeah. than they first thought. I'd say like the first <clears throat> 15 minutes was was much more about Magdeburg and, and they did... Uh, actually, like, uh, probably dominate that game. But then, then the rest of it was all sort of St. Pauli and, and you know, just in terms of the front three. And, like, they forced um, Magdeburg into a man-marking scheme. And, I mean, really it was, like, two players, El Fadli, who uh, wasn't the only guy who's made it into kickers 11 of the uh, week, uh, team of the week, uh, twice. And, uh, you know, uh, number one target for Hasfau, I guess. And... and uh, really, really an amazing player, um, if you think about him. And, and probably actually was like unlucky to not get like two or three more calls against Albers as, as he was able to escape pressure and just do all the stuff like as a number six who drops into the back line and, and just, just really like a complete player and, and probably I think would even play higher. And it's amazing that he was playing in, I think, Regionalliga like a, like a year ago or, or something. Um, but yeah, obviously Ryman um, not only did the sort of very cool. Uh, so it was very cool to see the Torvard Kete live, right? When, when he joins the 
the back three and, and was doing that early, but then but then um, basically um, Paoli's pressing just kind of forced them to 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 abandon that, and and then he just was just decided, okay, I'm just gonna turn into Superman and save everything. And I mean, so part of it is like you know just the finishing quality of Albers, who mm. you know, so the, I mean, I would say journeyman <laughs> uh, striker and and. I was impressed with Elias Saad a little bit. I mean, he had a rough start with just technical issues in the beginning in terms of first touch, but then was constantly able to get the better of it. And Saliakas as a as a wing back was like just winning almost all of his his duels. Um, and yeah, it was I mean Jackson Irvine kept getting into the box in the second half, had like a number of chances. But yeah, it's like the classic sort of they had thirty shots for like I think one point five xG or something. So a lot of it is. You know, um, not the greatest ones, but but I think to be fair, like they should have for sure gotten at least a couple of goals were it not for a superhuman performance, which which I think now um, it's it's I think Pauli I think uh, would be one of the teams that and it still might be one of the teams that's competing for promotion if they had like sort of one reliable uh, goal scorer because you have Hartel who just works and 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 just does the stuff to free himself to, of that man marking so well. You have, I mean, you know, you have a lot of, I mean, they, they could use like a little bit more sort of better options at the wing back and then like obviously bench bench options were not too great. Um, I think one of the guys was Scott Banks who, who was in League Two last season, so uh, it's a it was 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 a bit of a bit of a uh, a letdown in terms of that's that's your sort of I think first or second sub, but yeah, conversely for for Christian Tits, I think I think um, when I when I last saw them in, in January, like in, uh, played in Düsseldorf and they were just completely torn wide open, and I think that was kind of a turning point for him. And then it seems like you know he's just stacked his team with a lot of the good defensive players. Piccini was again excellent. I mentioned Fadli. I mean Hugune as Hugune. Um, He's got like a lot of, you know, Conde and then Nyaka even. So they have like a lot of kind of much more, and obviously much more robust center backs who don't really make that. I mean, they make smaller mistakes, I would say. Like Haber can be a little bit uh, sleepy, but um, but it's not like Jamie Lawrence or or, or some of the other ones sort of last, like, like the earlier ones, the early part of last season. Um, so definitely, I think, for them to get a point uh, was was good, but but offensively, like Schuler, I think still just technically an issue. I think I'm, I didn't really understand the Castaño sub for for Ito. I mean, Ito didn't have a good game, but at least like you could see the mismatch that he had against mm. Haukeval in terms of a speed thing. But and, and Castaño, I'm not sure what the mismatch with him is. Uh, anymore i guess he's physical and he's and then it, but it also like it forced Schuler into a wide spot which he seemed kind of uncomfortable with mm. and they couldn't be i think i think they ended up with five five or six shots total so um but yeah for them for their perspective it's it's a, it's a reasonable uh point and and uh they have they have done well uh i think what was a tough schedule which <laughs> continues to be tough for them with Hertha Schalke and Paderborn so uh yeah yeah, I agree. Um, look, they've shown that they can match it. I, I do agree with you on the Ito thing. They, you know, they, they had Jason Checker on the bench, who's more of a like for yeah, like yeah. in that situation. But um, I'm sure Teets had his reasons for trying something a little bit different. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, they take the point, and you know, you can be happy with that for Saint Pauli. Maybe against Eintracht Braunschweig, they will finally find the back of the net for the first time 
in a few matches. Um, <clears throat> but it'll be a tough game for them. You know, Braunschweig um, have shown that they can be quite prickly, um, especially at home. So, you know, that's a world feed game for them. Let's see if they can uh, find the winning touch. But uh, yeah, they need to. They need all, all it takes is one. All it takes is one goal, and you'll see the confidence go through. Uh, let's go to Elversburg. Elversburg hosted Fortuna Düsseldorf. This was uh, Horst Steffenside's first proper home game um, because uh, their first home game against uh, Hansa was in uh, Zabrucken. Uh, this was not exactly the homecoming they were expected. 5-0 the final score in favour of Dusseldorf. Felix Klaus, uh, Jordi Device, Vincent Vermey, and uh, Christos Tilos, um, <clears throat> who they just saw, who they signed recently from Norwich. He scored a brace. Um, this was pretty much done and dusted by halftime. Uh, Fortuna just a lot more efficient than they were against Paderborn the week before where they had a billion shots and they couldn't couldn't find a, a second goal. Here they were clinical. They scored in a variety of different ways. Um, the one thing that really caught my mind is how how they were able to to really break down Elversburg defensively through quick transitions and you know three of those goals, um, perhaps against better defensive units, you wouldn't see uh, those one on one situations. Yeah, and I mean that was a problem for them for Stefan sort of the second half of the season and. I mean, giving up the like the the Jordi Davis set piece goal, which is like the the, the set piece that Düsseldorf almost always do. Like that was again one of those where it was completely preventable. Um, yeah, it's it's been tough for them. I mean, I think probably a little bit unlucky um, if you look at some of the numbers. Uh, and but but much like first, they were just like blown out of it. Um, you know, and and it's not the offense, right? They have third most xG in in the league this season. But uh, again, when you concede the most and when you concede them so cheaply and, and it's like you're making Vincent Fermay look like a speedy uh, number nine and you don't have much of a transition defense and it's 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 tough. And uh, I mean, they've had some injuries with Correa and obviously lost Baltimore, uh, so who's massive part of, of them. And, and uh, yeah, like, uh, but it's again, like, it's amazing for Elvis but to be in the second Bundesliga. I mean, this is the Regionalliga. Um, you're and change a goal, right? So uh, it's a dream thing, and then you know. So, uh, like, out from that perspective, it's. Um, I think we need to kind of keep that perspective, and 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 probably just say that well, this was this was definitely their worst game, and and, and they've been they've been unlucky, and I mean certainly the Rostock one was was probably the most egregious one, but uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I guess sort of for them, the the good thing is that. Those kind of teams that you know, Braunschweig are very reachable, and then uh, I guess even Scherta and Schalke only have two more points than them. So uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, their fixture coming up, their fixtures coming up are more what they're used to, I suppose. Uh, Osnabrück away, then they return mm-hmm. against Hamburg, but they get Wiesbaden as well. So two opponents that they're quite familiar with. Um, good little litmus test for them to see where uh, they are comparative to the other teams that have gone up. Uh, Dusseldorf, they get Karlsruhe. Um, at home on Friday night, which should actually be a really good game, a really good test for them to see uh, if they've uh, learnt anything from their previous home game against Paderborn. Uh, then they return against Rostock and Hanover. Speaking of Karlsruhe, let's talk about them. They're our final game to look at uh, this for this podcast. Uh, they hosted Eintracht Braunschweig. 
in front of just over 22,500. This game ended two goals to nil for the hosts. Uh, Leon Jensen opened the score after a wonderful cross from Sebastian Jung. Fabian Schleusner got the second goal in 67 minutes. And that was your game, really. Um, Braunschweig went down to 10 men late in the first half uh, through Yanis Nikolaou. Uh, another one of those where the striker gets played through, last man defending, last met, last defender makes a foul, clear red card, easy as. Um, but let's talk about Karlsruhe because, you know, all the talk throughout this, the preseason was what they're going to do with Stindl. They've got a very... Uh, you know, good continuity with their midfield group with Nebel, uh, Gondorf, Vanitzek, and and Jensen. And uh, look, I think the scoreline seems a little bit deceiving. Karlsruhe were definitely better than two nil um, in this game, and Sorry. they've definitely shown that under Christian Eichner through multiple years of development and evolution that they can be a team that could be reckoned with throughout the season. No, I I thought that like they could be like much like Zangpauli as, as another one of those sort of like not sort of the most obvious, but perhaps even sort of the probably more an obvious uh, promotion candidate, especially with Stindl just just coming into it. And um, yeah, we're we're like uh, I would say un, 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 unlucky in, in in previous game uh, and and probably even this game like not to have more calls in this one. And, and Braunschweig were um, I would say kind of surprisingly offensive given kind of their personnel, which I mean you know it's it's a lot of the guys from. Union Berlin, which doesn't really surprise you given given sort of uh, the sporting side of it and, and, and who, who's who's gone there. So, um, but yeah, I mean they they had a surprising win against Schalke, and, and in this game, it's just uh, it was just seemed uh, I'd say pretty pretty one sided. I mean, only one or two chances for uh, for for Brunschweig and then yeah, Kaste, uh, you know, it's, it's still. Uh, like uh, Zivadze, who is, 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 is for a second Bundesliga size, like he's still an outstanding bench option, didn't even get off the bench, and then you've got Burnich as well. Like so, it's 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 gonna be a tough tough team to play. Um, and I would certainly like, I probably even would pick them if I had to kind of like gun to my head, like say who's the team next to Hasfau. That's um, I would say they probably would be be my pick just in terms of because it's like it's been building like you said under under Eichner now now with you know the addition of Stindl it's 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 a nice mix I mean yeah maybe like think of a better center back than Bournemouth but but uh, it's just very you know Davis is a good goalkeeper like it's it's um it's just kind of one of those teams that's been it's been for a while and yeah I would say also um wanted to just kind of make a comment on. Park Stadium. There's a really, really nice article in Der Freunde, which I managed to pick up while I was there, which kind of talks about the history of that and more about kind of the history of uh, fans and the ultras there and and, and Karse. So it's and, and obviously, you know, the long rebuild it, it took. Um, so yeah, just uh, if, in general, I mean, you, you, I think people know my uh, my love for El Freunde, but but that's. Uh, that's just another reason to to get that one, uh, even for sort of try uh, to Bundesliga fans and and, and certainly for Karlsruhe fans. Absolutely, but yeah, they are definitely building towards something potentially a bit greater than um, than what they've had over the past few seasons. Dusseldorf, Kaiserslautern, then Fürth, um, Braunschweig. We're going to see a bit of world feed action. They've got St. Pauli, and then when they return, uh, they've got Hertha as well before heading 
uh, hosting Nuremberg. That's it for us. Abel, thanks for coming on. It's been absolutely great talking Spider Bundesliga football um, with you. Uh, where can our listeners find you? Because, of course, you've write some excellent football articles. How can, uh, how can our listeners get into or see what you do? Yeah, I think Twitter, just Bundesabel is, is now, I think, the, the handle since, they, uh, since, I, since I made the change. Uh, and then, yeah, just uh, I think that's probably the easiest. It usually has uh, all the things that I do, which isn't as much these days, kind of given given sort of some of the other things that I'm I'm doing. Uh, but yeah, I'm always happy to to do more of these and, and, and other things in, in the future as well. And uh, yeah, uh, I can't promise I will always be able to go to Germany and, 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 and hop on a podcast to talk about those things, although that would be nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I'm glad we were able to do it. Azamai, you're always welcome to, to stop by and talk about this fantastic league. We'll be back next week I'll to discuss all of the action from match day five as we head towards our first international break of the season. We hope you all have a fantastic weekend. Stay safe and we'll see you soon when the Spider Bundesliga returns. Thank you.